Thompson gun for hire Fighting to be done The deal was made in Denmark Alright, welcome to the History and Music Podcast. This is your host, Scott Gifford. Um, History and Music, where we listen to, discuss, and pick apart songs that uh, have cool historic context. I'm joined here with Sean Oborn, who has graced us with his presence and chosen an excellent song that I had not been aware I had not been aware of until now. So welcome, Sean. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Yeah. So Sean is uh, new to the podcast. So um, a very warm, warm welcome. Uh, I mean, the podcast is like maybe two episodes old, so it's not like he's, he's not much newer than I am. But yeah, we're here because we love music and we love history. But uh, Sean, let's uh, let's get into a little bit about who you are, so so the um, so the audience knows. Yeah, what what are who is who is Sean Oborn? Who am I? Why am I here? Yeah. So yeah, like you said, I'm Sean. I um, I'm a fan of history and of music. So this is a perfect, you know fit for me to, um, to do something like this with you. And I, I appreciate the opportunity. So I, uh, I am originally from California, but I currently live in Utah and I have a, as far as, you know, my taste in music, most people say my taste in music is terrible. I like all different kinds of music, but everybody says that if I'm really to be truly honest for most of my life, you know, pop punk and the sort of the emo screamo movement of the late nineties, early two thousands was kind of my jam. Cause that's when I was in high school. That, um, that's, that's what uh, endeared you to me. Um, so, <laughs> so Sean and I met on, on Twitter and we're a part of this uh, group chat where we can, we all submit different songs and Sean and I, I feel like we're vibing pretty good with the songs we were sub- submitting. So yeah, um, definitely shout out, shout out to Bob the duck yep. <laughs> for, for getting us together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been awesome. Yeah. So, um, but as far as my interest in history goes, I've always kind of had an interest in history and I I actually went to college um, at BYU Hawaii. And while I was there, I didn't really know what I wanted to study. And I sort of kind of just fell into history and it's been a pretty natural fit because I, uh, I like random fun, pointless facts about things. And I like studying about people and, and the, you know, man's inhumanity to man and the extremes of the human experience and all that. So, um, I, I do have a, a bachelor's degree in history, but that does not qualify me to be a historian. It just makes me a history enjoyer. So that's nice. why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, likewise. Well, not likewise necessarily. I'm not, a, I haven't majored in it. I'm just interested in it and enjoy it. We mentioned we have a similar taste in music, not necessarily just historical music, like we're talking about here, but, um, he, he, I had mentioned to Sean that I was starting this podcast and I was kind of uh, slow in getting it going. Um, and he's been really pushing me. So thank you, Sean. And it, he's kind of a perfect fit for the podcast, being that loves music. I um, mean, not only has what I would say a really good taste in music, but he's uh, well versed in lots of in, in music, popular music and stuff. So and then when I learned he was a you're a. Um, a history major i was like all right perfect we we gotta get you on the podcast and 
uh, you might want to get used to his voice because he'll probably continue to be on as long as uh, he wants to. So, yeah. As long as you'll have me. <laughs> so you talked about your taste in music. What's your what's your interest in history? Like like you you have a I think a maybe a broad like undergraduate degree in history, but but what what's your what's your interest? So as far as like specifically in history, so it's interesting because I get that question a lot because most of the time when you major in history, get a bachelor's in history, there's usually some sort of a focus, not always, but there's usually some mm -hmm. sort of a focus like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm an expert in, you know, the, the Western Europe from this time period to this time period or, you know, medieval Korean history or something like that. And, and as you, as you move up in your uh, you know, college experience to get a master's degree, PhD, whatever, usually you get more and more specific until you become the expert in something no one's ever heard of. Like I'm actually an expert on uh, 16th century French pikes they use yeah. during the Hundred Years' War. It's like, yeah, really? that, that's a guy for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. That's usually the meme. It's usually someone working at a coffee shop explaining it to somebody, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 what I found is it's kind of like the law of diminishing returns. Like the more the more you get yourself educated in history, the less money you make. Mm -hmm. um, and I think your your levels of autism also go up, <laughs> you know, consequently from that. So, but. Yeah, so the, because I, I I didn't actually have a focus in history, it was literally just a history degree, and I, I have a minor in political science as well, which is unrelated. But because I graduated from BYU Hawaii, our history program there was extremely small. I was one of, I think, eight other students graduating, including wow. myself and my wife. Wow. So yeah, it was pretty small. So it's cool because you get to know your your professors a lot, and you know you can have a pretty good relationship with like your classmates, your professors and and so forth. But because of that, there's not really like, they don't have a huge history program where you can take these classes that are in some sort of specificity. And so my, my degree is just general, but because of where I attended, it sort of lent itself to, to sort of specializing in Asian history and Pacific mm -hmm. islands, just because right. that's what, that's what, BYU Hawaii, for those who don't know, is a, a college founded by our church actually in the mid 50s um, as Church College of Hawaii. And then in the 70s, it became BYU Hawaii. Um, and so it's sort of a sister institution to the one in Provo, but it's meant to be, it's sort of its clientele, if you will, is supposed to be for the Pacific Islands and sort of Asian co prosperity sphere. Nice. <laughs> so yeah so so because of that i would have professors there who like one of my professors was like the world's leading expert on like modern china and there's another guy there who is quite literally the world's leading expert on medieval korea like he had served hmm. his mission there so he spoke korean he married a korean girl and the guy would just knew everything about medieval korea and so people would like seek him out to talk about medieval korea and so but I mean, if you don't care about med medieval korea it's kind of boring. You know what I mean? But that dude loved it. So that's my point in saying all this is a lot of the classes I took were, you know, international relations of Asia, modern China, you know, things like that. Got it. Um, you know, history of surfing. I took a history of surfing class. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but as far as, as what I actually enjoy is I, I enjoy the history of my people, Western Europe, Western Europeans, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, kind of all, I would say all ages and time periods. And I usually go through every, Every year or two, I kind of have a different, you know, flavor of, of what I'm kind of going through at the time. So um, lately, I've been getting really into uh, the Great War, you know, World War One, kind of close mm -hmm. to the turn of the century, and actually also getting into just some other conflicts around that time. But nice. Anyway, sorry, I don't want to ramble too long. No, that's that's fine. Uh, it's a podcast. That's what we do. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I uh, we're kind of a firm anti-credentialism here, but it's nice to have someone with some credentials. Because um, <laughs> like all that, mine are. My credentials consist of a hardcore history podcast. And, and yeah, that's actually so. that, that's actually my credentials too. I, I may have learned more from that than from actual college, but <laughs> dude, that, that uh, dude yeah. is is amazing. Like, yeah, I don't get how he can sit there for five hours and just like talk. Yeah, or let about... alone people listen to it. Yeah, seriously, yeah. It, it's yeah. engaging. Although um, I learned uh, Dan Carlin, the guy that does hardcore history, all he has is a bachelor's degree in history. But that's why hey. he always says, he's like, hey, I'm not a historian at all. I am not qualified to weigh in on these things or make an opinion. I can just tell you what happened, you know, to my understanding. It's yep. kind of what I do, yep. I guess. Yep. That, that's awesome. So shift a little bit. Let's, uh, the, the song that you heard in, uh, that brought us into the episode um, was, I guess, co-written, you said? Co-written by Warren Zivon. We'll get into the, his other co-writer in a bit. But it is called Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner, which you'll probably guess or uh, into it from the um, name of the episode. But it's a it's a really cool song. And from the sounds of it, it's from a historical period and place that maybe you haven't done a whole lot of research prior to this. I definitely haven't. So it's been really cool to, to dive in. But I'll kind of lean on you a little bit to deep dive into some of these lyrics. But first, before we get into the lyrics, can you give us a little bit of a uh, like the historical context for the song? Yeah. So, and I guess just to let you know, like I, we were mentioning this earlier when we were talking. I am not super familiar with Warren Zevon or this song. I, I I like the song Werewolves of London. I play it a lot because my wife hates it, and I think it's kind of a cool song. And this <laughs> this song, Rolling the Headless Thompson Gunner, is from the same album. It's from his album Excitable Boy, which is like his. I think it's like his third or fourth album or something. It's not even his first album, but this song is from the same album as werewolves in london so but it, it's i think it's more or less kind of a deep track from that album i don't think it's one that ever played on the radio or anything but it's from the late 70s and i the only reason i heard it is you know i was listening to spotify and every once in a while spotify will kind of throw some rando songs and in, into your playlist there and this one came on and i said hey rolling the headless thompson gunner this one sounds kind of bass to be honest with you <laughs> so yeah. that's well, kind yeah, of what made me perk up and listen to it on Spotify, I'm looking at the play numbers. Werewolves of London has 92 million. This one has 8 million. And then there's even another one, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, which has 28 million. So it, it's definitely not, it, it, like you said, it's a, it's a kind of a deep track. Yeah. Which I, which I wouldn't have I, guessed because it's, it's like a catchy song. It's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I actually didn't know that it was pulling those kind of numbers. I mean, I bet half of those are probably like Rhodesians that are still around. And then like probably about a million of them are me listening to it <laughs> so. well yeah we're gonna we're gonna boost those numbers just yeah, we're gonna boost numbers after this episode man all the listeners oh, yeah. <laughs> be bumping this song yeah. um but yeah so as far as like the historical context of the song like i said written in the late 70s but the song is talking about uh something that was i think fairly well known in in you know world history from the 60s uh the 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 early to mid 60s and kind of the late 60s as well a lot of issues going on in africa there's the congo crisis and you know you have darfur and all these other things that people used to talk about back in the hippie days and so that's kind of what what our our context or our time frame is for this song is it's about this guy that basically volunteers he's he's 
a European and he volunteers to go fight in the, the quote unquote, the Congo war, um, mm -hmm. which was fought in the late, I think the late sixties, the song says 66 to 67, but I think it had, had been going on for a little bit before and a little bit after that. But that, that's sort of like the time period we're talking about is basically the late sixties and you have a European mercenary fighting in Africa for basically a country that no longer exists. Mm -hmm. He says he goes down to Biafra and I mean, yeah. high fives. Anyone knows where Biafra is or when it existed. <laughs> yeah. I definitely had to Google that. Um, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It existed from uh, 67 to 70 apparently. So yeah, there you go. Don't blame yeah, you. will miss it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think very few are even aware, like you said, of this whole Congolese, the Congo crisis uh, that there's, I think it's known that there's lots of uh, goings on in in Africa, lots of uh, wars and warlords and whatnot. But um, from a uh, kind of a Western point of view, American point of view, we don't know much about the specifics. At least I don't. I didn't learn it. So apparently, yeah, the, these Europeans were and probably Americans, I don't know much, were being recruited and paid as mercenaries to come fight fight for, was it any side basically? Or is it just like one side pulling in these these europeans you know i think it was primarily one side that was that was pulling the europeans so because you you had and there's i mean africa's a mess it's, it's just there's always <laughs> there's yeah. always something going on there some rebellion or civil war or genocide going on but yeah. in this particular case there was the republic of the congo and they were fighting these like rebels, if you want to call them that, tribesmen, Katanga is what they called themselves. Or yeah, in the, in the um, song it says the Bantu. The the Bantu is an actual tribe, I believe, that of, okay. of uh, in Africa, and so they're they they had kind of risen up because the, the context of the song is that it's this is the decolonization of Africa. So mm -hmm. for hundreds of years, you have you know, all these various European countries, the primary ones being England, France, Belgium, Italy to some extent, Germany to a very small extent, but they colonized Africa, as we all know. And, and now during the you know 50s, 60s, and up until the 70s, they're sort of pulling out of Africa and kind of turning power over to local African leaders, you know, democratically, democratically elected presidents, what have you. Yeah. And so, but but that leaves a power vacuum, right? It leaves a power vacuum, exactly right. And so what you end up having ha having is basically civil wars on civil wars on civil wars, mm -hmm. and that will just last forever. And yeah. so what what's happening now is this Republic of the Congo, which I believe was formerly a uh, a Belgian colony, and you basically just have different people just trying to sort of vying for power. And so what you'd have is you'd have these these mercenaries, a lot of them were Dutch or Belgians, going mm -hmm. to basically just trying to make some good money and go fight and kill some tribesmen, basically. And they were, they were generally pretty badass, right? Like they, oh, yeah. They're, you don't want to mess with them. Yeah, like, exactly. If, there, if you're going to Africa to fight someone else's war just because just for money or just because like you've got to kind of have a screw loose a little, a little bit. Yeah. Or, or you just, you just love doing what you do. I mean, I think yeah. there's, I think there's a certain, I think there's a certain breed of dude that is just bred and built for combat for war. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about like just physically imposing kind of guys, but something in their mind, they just got to have that warrior spirit, if you will. And so they quite literally seek out a conflict like this. And, and, and you see this a lot and it, it's not, this isn't new. 
you know, mercenaries have been around for literally the Greeks had mercenaries, right? They, yeah, they, yeah. You know, Greek mercenaries going to volunteer for to fight for the Egyptians against the Egyptians. You know, that you'd have all kinds of mercenaries all over the place. So, I think it's just it, a certain it, kind of guy. Uh, yeah, and I understand the, the um, I guess the historical context for for mercenaries, but in like a modern world, even to this into the sixties, um, it's not something that an everyday person does, right? Um, or that you talk about or know about. And so, and and you're right. There, so certain people are just wired that way, and we all know people like that that just love conflict, especially physical conflict. These people kind of had an outlet, right, with uh, being able to to ship down to to Africa. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, I think so, well, I think one of the undertones, a lot of this too, is, and this this happened. I mean, this is just a a a, a function of of the the Cold War, which is what we're in right now, right in the '60s, is. Mm -hmm whenever there was some conflict anywhere, you'd have the big powers kind of on the sidelines or, or, you know, on the DL basically assisting one side or the other. So in the Congo mm -hmm. crisis, for, crisis, for example, yeah, it's the Congo versus you know, the Katanga or the Bantu or whoever, but the Congo was, was, was supported by who United States, Belgium, you know, like the UN, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, or, and then you'd have like the Katanga rebels who are supported by who the Soviet union, Cuba, China. So it was <laughs> yeah, always, yeah. A, it was always a communism versus yeah. it's a proxy know, war, right? right? Yeah, exactly. A proxy war. And so that's what you'd have a lot of times. And, and I think that's kind of what, what I, uh, enjoy about learning about these mercenaries so much is there's not a lot of them going to fight for communism. They're all going mm -hmm. to fight for, you know, the, the other side, you know, yeah, um, yeah. which is sort of, sort of inspiring. I'm, I'm sure there were, you know, Soviet, you know, guys that were inserted into the Africa and fought for them, but we don't really hear too much about, you mm. know, Cuban mercenaries fighting in Africa. I'm sure they existed, yeah. but maybe nobody cares. I don't know, but most of them are fighting for the side that's against communism. And that's, what's interesting when you read these guys accounts, these guys that were, that were merc mercenaries that volunteered to fight mm -hmm. almost, almost without exception. They're not really there because they care about the local conflict. They're there because either one, they believe in what they're doing and they just basically hate communists. They want to kill communists or the dudes just love shooting people. Yeah. They just <laughs> love the headshot. Yeah. Yeah. They just, yeah. And so I think, yeah. And I think for guys like that, not being in a war or not fighting is just, they don't know what to do with themselves, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Totally. Job. So speaking of these, these mercenaries, who is Roland? So Roland, as I understand it, is not a real person. He's, he's made up. And the song says that he's from the land of the midnight sun. Mm -hmm. And then later on, it says he's Norwegian. So he's a, Nor he's a, he's a Norwegian guy. And the song indicates that he made a deal in Denmark um, on a dark and stormy night to go, you know, fight to help out the Congolese, the people of Congo. And so he goes over there with his Thompson gun to basically, you know, help out the Congolese and, and fight these people. But what I learned from studying a little bit more about this song is Warren Zevon is an American guy. He, he I don't think he ever served combat anywhere. I mean, maybe during Vietnam, maybe. But he apparently in the early 70s in Spain, he was uh, he went to a bar called the Dubliner. And mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in Spain, and he met this guy there named David Lindell or it might be Lindell, but David Lindell. And apparently this, this David Lindell guy was running the bar, the Dubliner, and he had just gotten back from 
a, a brief foray into mis- mercenary work in Africa. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that, that sort of inspired Warren Zevon to write a song about him. And so they, they both collaborated on the song. So he's actually considered the co-writer of this song, even though I don't think he's written anything else as far as I know. And he's not actually a musician. I don't think. So he just contributed some, basically some context and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, who knows what he contributed, but that's, that's, that's really fun. It makes this song kind of come alive more so than like, so what uh, kind, kind of a, l- a little more history on, on the, this podcast itself is we, we started out as kind of a Sabaton podcast where we'd review Sabaton songs and there's a more high level, maybe not really telling a story. This one kind of makes the history come alive a little more where it, it, it's a fictional character. So that, that's fine. But it, it tells a, it tells, so it tells a top level story of this Roland guy, but then underneath that, it's telling actual history. And so it slips history into a really fun song, which I think is cool. Um, it's kind of, it kind of fits the the ethos of the podcast where we want to make history accessible. Well, and, and kind of what I like about that is the fact that, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, like Sabaton, for example, every song they write is some epic about some yeah. super cool historical thing, mm-hmm. right? Person, event, whatever, battle. And in this case, Warren Zevon, I was just reviewing now, he has no combat experience at all. He's never been in any kind of military capacity at all, as far as we know. But because he had collaborated on this song with someone who had, it, it sort of lends a little more credence to the song and, and can sort of almost speak from experience. Yeah, you know, totally. Which, which, which always adds a little bit more, I don't know if I want to say gravity to the song, but you know, it, it, it makes it a little more legit. I think so, and uh, it, it's and what makes it even more interesting is that the the story of this this Roland character is that he uh, so like kind of to run down the story is he's uh, the best Thompson gunner. Um, he's he's really good, and he has a he has a partner named Van Owen um, who fights fights by his side, and then uh, the CIA decide that Roland is too good or so good that they want him. Or they want him dead, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah which which is which is interesting. Him dead. Which is an interesting line because that's in the yeah. third verse, right? Because the the song basically kind of starts with you know he makes this deal in a dark and stormy night, goes out to Biafra, this country no longer exists, to mm-hmm. to join this bloody fray, and they're they're knee deep in gore. They bring the Bantu to their knees. He's the best Thompson gunner ever, and it's him and Van Owen, all these all these other guys. They. Uh, it says they're killing to earn their living and to help out the Congolese. So, but the first right. thing they list there is what money, right? Which is oftentimes kind of the draw for all these mercenary types. But totally. it's interesting because you're right. In verse three, it says, well, Roland's the best Thompson gunner. And because of that fact, the CIA wants to kill him, which right. he's like too is, dangerous for, yeah, for, which yeah. is, which is really funny. Cause I don't, I mean, I don't think he poses a threat necessarily to, to the CIA because remember in this conflict, he's supposedly fighting in, the U.S. is on the same side, right? Right. So but it's interesting why the CIA would want to kill him. But then again, if you follow, you know, modern events and the whole Epstein everything, yeah, exactly. You know, it, <laughs> it's kind of this written in '77 is when he wrote this song. Yeah, it's that's what, like you said earlier, it's kind of a base song. Like that, it's getting into some stuff that, like, there's a lot to read into. Like that, it's the CIA that that uh, basically killed him, which is the next line. Which says the the son of a bitch Van Owen blew off Roland's head, so the CIA hired his buddy Van Owen to to kill him. And again, the, like you said earlier, they're there for the money, and so 
Van Owen's like, all right, you pay, pay me some money to shoot somebody. I'm doing that anyway. I'll sh- tr- turn to the side and shoot my buddy. But uh, yeah, so there, there's a lot to read into why he chose the CIA in this fictional story to be the bad guy, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, it's, it's almost like a foreshadowing, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was some distrust, like distrust of the CIA didn't start uh, yesterday. Right. It, it's, it's been around for a while. So then, so Roland dies, but that's not the end of Roland's story. Um, he, uh, his head, his head is blown off and the name of the song is the headless Thompson gunner. So um, right now, just, now he's uh, a kind of a, a, a specter, right? Yeah, exactly. He's a ghost. But there's a side note there: the the chorus of the song is Roland the Thompson Gunner, just repeated for the first three verses. In the third verse, when his head gets blown off, the chorus then becomes Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. Oh yeah, very <laughs> nice. That's nice. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny. So he he, he does become kind of this specter, this ghost. In fact, the song mm-hmm. actually says that. Time stands still for Roland until he evens the score. And there's actually, because that that part, if you go back and listen to the song, this is the chorus after the third verse. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. And there's a part where it's singing, almost like singing in a round or like a melody, um, mm-hmm. or a, excuse me, a medley. And so what you'll have is that the main guy, Warren Zevon, singing the main line, but there's people in the background singing a different line of the song at the same time. So it's a little bit hard to hear what they're saying in the background. Uh-huh. But what they're actually saying is, is Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner, time, time, time for another peaceful war, which is, huh. a, again, interesting, right? Because that's, 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 you know, an oxymoron, a peaceful war. But yeah, well, anyway, Norway's bravest son, time stands still until he evens up the score. Um, and you can still see his headless body stalking through the night. So he's haunting Van Owen, which you can, uh, which you would assume. But he blew Van Owen's body from there to Johannesburg. So, so yes, he, he's obviously interacting with uh, with a physical person as a ghost, right? Because yeah, because he it says that he's got he's he's you can still see the muzzle flash of his Thompson gun. He's stalking through the night. It says he searched the continent for the man who'd done him in. Mm-hmm. And he says he found him in Mombasa. Mombasa is a city in, uh, I believe, Kenya. And so it makes me believe that Van Owen is still doing mercenary work just somewhere else in Africa now. And so he's he's finished the job. He's just, you know, yeah, having it, having it. Yeah, exactly. So he's uh, he's in Mombasa drinking some gin in a bar room. And it says that basically Roland walked in, aimed his t- as, a, as a ghost now, a headless ghost, mm-hmm. headless horseman, if you will. Walks mm-hmm. in, aims his gun at Van Owen, doesn't say a word, and blows Van Owen's body from Mombasa all the way to Johannesburg, which is in South South Africa, like several countries away. Right. So, so, so. yeah. So it, it he's obviously kind of maybe the um, don't want to get too much into like the intent of the song. We've talked about it a little bit, but I, I would think that he. It seems like he's trying to build a like a legend, right? Like a. He's trying to build something and and make and uh, like almost a myth of of this of this guy. It, it's too bad he, this song didn't like catch on. Like he maybe thought it might, but um, b- because because of the, just these outlandish things, but set in real world context, it, it that's it's just what it seems like to me. Yeah, well, and it is interesting because as as we continue on the fifth and final verse, you he's kind of getting at the fact that. Roland's not actually a real person. He's more like an idea, mm-hmm. right? And um, he's he's kind of he's kind of sort of 
you know, not, yeah, not the, yeah, you're not, right. Not after the, the not, not the Spartacus thing, but it's like we're all Roland, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like because after the that chorus that you mentioned, where it changes to Roland the headless Thompson Gunner, he repeats that a couple times. And then in the next verse, it kind of alludes to it. He becomes less of a actual person and more of an idea, like you said. The the lyrics are the, the eternal Thompson Gunner still wandering through the night. Now it's ten years later, but he still keeps up the fight. In Ireland, in Lebanon, in Palestine, and Berkeley, Patty Hearst heard the burst of Roland's Thompson gun and bought it. So, so it's like it, it, he's he's almost become a force for what he stood for, which which is pretty cool. He, he, it's like whatever force, uh, whatever, yeah, yeah. The, the force is like doing its doing his work, or he's he's doing his work through this force in throughout the world. Um, and I'm sure there's some significance to those four places i don't know if you have any insight into those yeah well because if you think about it again the the time period for the song right so mm -hmm. the song is supposed to be 66 and 67 is when this conflict happens and now it yep. says that uh rowan is it's ten, he's the eternal thompson gunner he's still wandering yep. through the night now it's 10 years later and right. so that would mean that it's now what 76 and 77 which is mm -hmm. the exact time frame that he's writing the song that we're actually listening to he wrote it in 77 mm -hmm. right then it says he's keeping up the fight in ireland in lebanon in palestine anyone who's paid attention to anything in history in the past 50 years knows of all the conflicts going on especially in lebanon and palestine right middle east oh yeah middle east being the middle east ireland is i mean in in the um, that's that's I believe that coincides with when they had the, the quote unquote, the troubles in Ireland and you know, the mm -hmm. U2 song Sunday, bloody Sunday. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I assume that was eighties, but, but it probably, it's probably more seventies than eighties. Yeah. But I mean, it's, but, I think it's happened several times, probably. But, but it's almost like, you know, these, these not, not, not the people are using necessarily Thompson gunners, but you have these, these people that, either fight for money or they mm -hmm. have some sort of ideals that they're fighting for. Well, they're, they're fighting for the, the good guy, no, like not necessarily for their country, but for their cause. Well, I think you're right, but it's interesting because Ireland. Okay, cool. Yeah. The Irish want their independence trying to, you know, mm -hmm. get, get the red coats out. Cool. I can buy that. Lebanon and Palestine, pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Berkeley is interesting that he put that it in is. there because Berkeley, really California, is. UC Berkeley is there and I'm, I'm from Northern California myself and Berkeley's a terrible place. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I mean, that's, that's where green day is from very liberal and it's basically known for being just this liberal hotbed for just the far left, essentially. Yeah, um, when I think of Berkeley, I think of colleges, riots on college campus, maybe, or maybe not riots, but like protests and stuff like that. And so th that's where my mind went. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the exact idea. And, and so, and I don't know anything about Warren Zevon's politics. I mean, this is in the seventies. He lived through the Vietnam war. So maybe he's kind of a hippie guy where he's like, Hey man, they're just trying to fight for like their rights, man, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's interesting because he says in Palestine and Berkeley, and then he says, Patty Hearst heard the burst of Roland's Thompson gun and bought it. Now I I've never quite understood those last two lines there. But the him saying the fight in Berkeley and then talking about Patty Hearst right after that, I think that might be related. So I'll, I'll just do. Do you know anything about Patty Hearst or who she I, is or what she did or anything? No, I don't. Okay, so Patty Hearst is the granddaughter of William Randolph Hearst. Okay, I've heard of like the Hearst Castle and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 Hearst Castle, but. 
William Randolph Hearst was a, a, a newspaper magnate. I think he was like a Civil War vet, if I'm not mistaken. And for those of you Newsies fans, I believe he's in Newsies as well. Yeah, so he, I think he became one of the richest men in the world. But yeah, he owns, he, he basically owned what became Hearst Communications and is sort of considered the founder of what they call yellow journalism. I mean, some mm-hmm. people argue that we had the Spanish-American War because of William Randolph Hearst. Um, because, you know, like I forget what the line was, but, you know, he basically told the U.S., you know, the, the, the government, he, he can get them a war just by, you know, having control of the press, so to speak. So very wealthy guy. The Hearst family is a very wealthy family. And Patty Hearst was basically this guy's granddaughter. So she comes from mm-hmm. a wealthy family, you know, from, I guess, originally the East Coast, but I think he went to California later. But um, from wealthy family. And what what eventually happened is, is there's this organization that I don't think even exists anymore, but it's called the Symbionese Liberation Army. Mm-hmm. And basically what it was is a bunch of black dudes in the 70s that were fighting for basically just far left causes. Right. You know, they, they, would, they would shoot up businesses and they committed a couple of assassinations of people they felt were against their cause Got or it. whatever. But in uh, in the in the mid 70s, I think in 74, I think, they actually kidnapped Patty Hearst. Really? And, yeah, and the entire idea was, oh, she's rich, we'll hold her for ransom. And I, I think the idea, if I'm not mistaken, was is they wanted not only not only to hold her for ransom, but they wanted to get money and like food stuffs from her family or bought by her family so they could like donate it to people in the inner city or something. So at the time they kidnapped her, some of the leaders of the Symbionese Liberation Army had already been in prison. They'd already been in shootouts with police. Some of them had been killed. They'd already killed like the, I think the superintendent of the Oakland school district who was himself a black guy. They thought that he was in favor of school IDs. So they basically went and assassinated him and they literally shot him with uh, hollow point bullets that were laced with cyanide. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it comes and it came out later that he actually wasn't, he wasn't in favor of anything they were against. They basically just killed him essentially by accident because they thought that he was against whatever they're. Okay. So, so they're pretty trigger happy. Yeah. 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 They're sort of of just like this sort of inflammatory group that went around doing things like that sometimes without all the details, but Mm -hmm. so they kidnapped Patty Hearst and they hold her for ransom. And I think at the time they were holding it for ransom for like a couple million. But the reason why why this is why this is even notable, and and for those of you listening back home, ask any of your boomer parents or grandparents or anyone older than that. Everyone has heard of Patty Hearst and what happened to her. Almost everybody, because it was huge in the news back in the seventies, and then kind of never again. But mm-hmm. the reason why this is memorable is because after they kidnapped her and held her for ransom all of a sudden they start robbing banks, this Symbionese army and Patty Hearst has joined them and is basically robbing banks at gunpoint in like the Bay area of California really? and, like, and like LA. Yeah. Because she was basically like, they say she was indoctrinated by them. Um, and so supposedly she bought into their whole left-wing agenda and started so like complete Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. She... Complete stock. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's basically one of those classic cases of Stockholm syndrome because she buys into their entire agenda. I think she sleeps around with a couple of the guys, like the main guys that were in this of organization. Um, and, and she's only 19 at the time, by the way, she's like a sophomore in college when they kidnap wow. her. 
So yeah, so she she they end up like robbing some banks, um, and then she gets like captured back essentially, has to go to prison for a bit, and uh, she's eventually pardoned by Bill Clinton. Wow, <laughs> she's still alive. She got remarried and still alive, and now no one even knows who Patty Hearst is or who cares for that matter. But it, it's interesting that he put that in there. Yeah, Patty that, Hearst. That, the fact that she's still alive. That yeah. is an interesting line. Yeah, she's not she's not that old. I'm, I'm looking right now. She's 68 years old. But I'm I'm wondering if I mean part of the reason he probably included that is because all of that was happening two or three years after this song came out, right. or before the song came out. Excuse me. So it's probably while he's writing it. Yeah, probably while he's writing it, it was on his mind, and so maybe he's thinking like, "Hey, man, she's just someone who's fighting for a cause, man." I don't know, but it's well, interesting. Well, it, it, she's yeah. obviously like he killed her, right? No, no, she's still alive. So he, so I, I think what he's what he what well, he's well, saying uh, here I, is I, okay. What is he saying? So because because it says she heard the burst of his gun, and then bought it, bought the gun, or bought whatever he's selling. Oh, right. I thought I thought bought it was like like he like she died like like, like she got killed. Yeah, I guess. That, yeah, maybe. How, no, well, no, it honestly doesn't maybe. work. Well, yeah, maybe if you want to read into it that much, but interesting. I just assumed yeah. she died. Yeah, and so you know because she's still alive even today, like we were saying. And so I think what he's saying here is that you know it's it's that it's that that kind of solidifies the whole fact that this Roland guy isn't a real dude. But like what he fought for, his gun, if you will, like his his reason for fighting or what he was trying to do or accomplish is legit. And you see it all over the world. Look, Patty Hearst, she heard she heard this oh, dude's gun oh, and maybe bought into this it. is maybe it's passing the torch to Patty Hearst. Yeah, yeah. Terrible, terrible person, terrible organization to pass the torch to. But yeah, because shortly after this, I'm pretty sure like every member of the Symbionese Liberation Army went to jail. <laughs> they're all they're all out of jail now because it's like 40 years ago yeah and again I, I don't know anything about warren zevon um the, the the cursory review i did is i learned that his mother was actually raised a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints um <laughs> but i don't think she was i don't think she was active later in life and he wasn't raised a member of the church so mm -hmm. again other than that i don't know anything about like you know where he stood on politics or anything i mean he's an american he's you know from chicago but he died in los angeles and so you know, maybe, yeah. Why'd you choose this song? I, the reason I chose it is because like I was talking about in the very beginning, sometimes I kind of go through different, I guess, I don't know, waves, if you want to call it that, where I'll be really into like some historical time period or a group of people or a conflict or something. Mm -hmm. um, and so lately I've been really studying a lot in post-colonialism in Africa. So basically the former colonial empires leaving Africa and sort of the aftermath because you have all these interesting stories like this of white mercenaries going to fight in Africa, or you'll have a breakaway state, if you want to call it that, where they want to have, they want to sort of maintain that, um, that, that white minority in power, like you have in, in, in Rhodesia and to, I guess, to a lesser extent, South Africa. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of interesting conflicts that oftentimes we either don't hear about, or if we do, it's just, it's, it's, it's so shrouded in, in claims of racism and whatever else that, that you don't actually know what's going on. And there's some actual stories of really inspiring guys who, you know, whether they enjoyed killing or not, they actually went out to go fight for a cause, you know, right. which, which in our, in our day of, of relative peace, like not everyone can say that. Like, I don't know anyone that's, you know, 
fighting in Ukraine right now, or I mean, the, <laughs> the, the last real war that we had would be like Vietnam. I mean, you can, you can, you can say the GWAT if you want the global war on terror, but that's, it's kind of hard to define because it's this 20 year period in several different mm -hmm. countries fighting against several different enemies, right, you know? Right. And so, I mean, th that, that definitely was a war, but as far as like, okay, we're fighting a war, it's called a war. It's not just a war on terror. It's the Vietnam war. And, and who are we fighting? Well, we're fighting these guys. They have their own outfits, you know, and that's kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Sort of sort of the, the old school style of fighting a war, if you will. I mean, the closest tie I have to that is my father-in-law who's in his seventies now, and he served in the air force during Vietnam, you know, mm -hmm. but, but that, that sort of that type of guy is kind of slowly dying out. Totally. If that makes any sense at all. Well, people, not only dying out, but it, it, it's actively being squashed or squelched. Yeah, thanks for for uh, picking this song. It was it's really cool, and you had a lot of really good insights. I felt like I just kind of sat back and listened to some cool stuff. So, <laughs> so thanks for no. uh, thanks for yeah, that. it's it's my pleasure. And actually, um, there there are quite a few. You know, the, the, there's a lot of like history wave type YouTube videos out there. Um, mm -hmm. And so there are some pretty cool ones out there that show footage of different African conflicts involving mercenaries and European powers in the sixties and seventies, mm -hmm. where they'll, they'll basically play this song over footage of, yep. of the war. Um, and actually there's this, there's this chick who I don't even know any other songs by her. And I actually forgot her name, but she actually did a cover of this song, Rolling the Headless mm -hmm. Thompson Gunner and made right. it a little bit more kind of a, I don't want to say a hipster kind of song, but sort of. Um, so it's sort of updated for the new, the new generation, the new millennium, if you will. Um, right, right. And so there's, I know there's at least uh, one um, Congo wave or Rhodesia wave, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> YouTube video out there where it basically plays her singing this song while showing guys actually fighting in the Congo. So it kind of, it kind of, yeah, makes it it amps up the realism for sure it's pretty cool yeah and, and if you're listening go go search that and be be warned it's it kind of graphic there's some uh uh it's war footage so yeah uh, but yeah well, to, it's really cool to quote to quote one of my uh history professors in college he would talk about how he uh he had a couple kids i think he had three kids and um he would he would show them like r-rated movies Mm -hmm. when they were like somewhat younger, like teenagers or a little bit younger. And some people don't care about that, but, but you know, this is back in the, you know, mid, mid two thousands, but he would show his, his kids like R rated movies that had a historical context and his reasoning for that. And the reason I brought up the story mm -hmm. is because he would always say history is rated R. Sometimes yes. it's more than rated R, but history is rated R. It's not rated PG or PG 13. It's totally. definitely rated R Dude. and that's, that's being nice. Yeah. And, and I mean, even the Bible and Book of Mormon and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's pretty brutal. Like I've been, uh, I've been teaching in, in church, I've been teaching, uh, the eight and nine year olds and, uh, all throughout the, we're, we're learning the old Testament and it's been like the funnest thing to, cause I've just been telling them the story. Um, just like it flat as, as flat as possible, just telling them the stories that, that come out of the chapters and making them as gory as possible. Um, and they've been loving it. It's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so I, 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 uh, I support your, uh, your teacher, um, or your professor in that. Um, I don't think my kids necessarily are old enough, but with the, uh, I'll, I'll make that decision in a couple of years, but, um, yeah, movies like maybe Patriot or, or something like that, where it's, uh, it's pretty gruesome, but it, but it, it's history. It's what happened. 
Yeah. Well, if you go back and watch those movies now, you're like, oh, it's actually kind of tame. What was everyone crazy <laughs> about this you know, back in the early 2000s? But right. yeah, yeah. So but that's the whole thing is like, I mean, you can, I mean, reading it is one thing. Sometimes seeing it can kind of trigger different things in the brain. Um, right. But yeah, oh, history totally. is definitely it, it is different. R. Yeah, history is definitely but, rated R. But one, one thing, I found this on Wikipedia, so don't tell any of my history professors this, but a fun fact for this song is actually two fun facts. One is apparently Warren Zevon, the, the, the singer and the, and the writer of the song co-writer was um, like, I, I guess really good friends with David Letterman mm-hmm. back when David Letterman was still, still had his show and Letterman um, when, when Warren Zevon, cause he died um, I think he had cancer or something like that. Cause he died. He was only, he was only in his mid fifties when he died okay. and he died in 2003. I, I, I believe he had, Oh yeah. Mesothelioma. That's what he had. So he did have cancer um, and he died in, in the early two thousands. But while he was sort of, I guess, dying of this cancer, he was asked by David Letterman to come play on the Letterman show. And I think it was like in early 2003, I believe it was the year that he died. So just a few mm-hmm. months before he dies, Letterman asked him to come play, I guess, a few songs or a set on for his show. And mm-hmm. one of the songs he played, I believe by Letterman's request, was Rolling the Headless Thompson Gunner. And that was the last time he performed it ever was on the Letterman show in, 2000, I think it's 2003, because he died like right after that. So that's one fun fact. The other one is, is a, and I didn't know this, but apparently the screenwriter for Jurassic Park, The Lost World, like the, mm-hmm. the, the sequel, there's the guy that, that's like the big game hunter in the show. His name's Roland Tembo. And apparently, okay. accord, according to the screenwriter, Roland is named after this guy, Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner, because the guy's, the guy's nemesis in the movie is a guy named Van Owen. <laughs> dude that's awesome so yeah there you go there's your there's your uh, there's your fun fact for this song so next time you watch the uh one of the least worst jurassic parks <laughs> yeah it, jurassic park uh, if you listen to my other podcast the cold boat podcast it's um shout it's out a, uh, yeah if you listen to that you know it's one of my favorite movies and I say movie, not series, because it goes it immediately goes downhill after the first one. But so, you were, so, so Jurassic Park three, just thoughts. Uh, the the one that just came out. No, Jurassic Park three. It's actually called Jurassic Park three. Oh, the, the, that is that that's the one with uh, uh, where it gets on the boat and comes to to America or whatever, right? No, that's the one where um. Where they they there's like a rich couple or something, and they go back to like find their son who like got lost in oh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the guy hallucinates while he's having a dream, and the raptor's talking to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh I'm yeah, like, in, in the in the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's sorry. Been I always think of that scene because those. it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it scared me as a kid. I, I specifically I remember seeing that in the theater. Um, that's the one where. Um, uh, what's his face? The chaos theory guy co- brings his black daughter, right? I, I think so. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not um, sure. I, I saw that. And I remember thinking it was dumb when I saw it, but I, I'm a little bit older than you. So I, I, uh, I, I didn't, it wasn't as scary yeah, to me. Yeah. I just thought this is kind of silly, but it's okay. I was probably eight or 10 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, sorry, just Jurassic Park thoughts. <laughs> it's in the news, you know, the new Jurassic it's, Park it's movie. Vaguely relevant. Yeah. Um, Anyway, let's uh, let's wrap up. Don't want to keep you too long. Again, thanks. And uh, to the listeners, we'll see you next time. 
and we will uh, we'll leave you with the with the entire song. Hopefully, it doesn't get taken down or claimed. I don't know how it works. Um, but here you go. You can listen to it. Roland was a warrior from the land of the midnight sun. With a Thompson gun for hire, fighting to be done. The deal was made in Denmark on a dark and stormy day. So he set out for Biafra to join the bloody fray. Through 66 and 7, they fought the Congo War with their fingers on their triggers. Days and nights they battled The band to to their knees They killed to earn their living And to help out the Congolese Roland the Thompson Gunner Roland the Thompson Gunner His comrades fought Beside him, Van Owen and the rest. But of all the Thompson gunners, Roland was the best. So the CIA decided they wanted Roland dead. That son of a bitch, Van Owen, blew off Roland's head. Stalking through the night In the muzzle flash Of Roland's Thompson gun In the muzzle flash Of Roland's Thompson gun Roland searched the continent For the man who'd done him in He found him in Mombasa in a ballroom drinking gin Roland aimed his Thompson gun He didn't say a word But he blew out Owen's body From there to Johannesburg Roland the headless Thompson gunner Ten years later, but it still keeps up the fight In Ireland, in Lebanon, in Palestine, in Berkeley That's the episode. Cool. 